series, a Sunday morning series, and it'll be a four-week series entitled Next Steps. You know, after a person gets saved, that's just the beginning. Salvation is just the beginning. If you would have known me 40 years ago, you would have never thought I'd be here today. It's just the beginning. You wouldn't like me either, yeah. <laughs> One day I was out knocking on doors, had a new convert, I was discipling somebody, and we went out knocking on doors, knocked on a door, and a guy comes to the door, and his hair was down to his shoulders, and he had an ACDC shirt on, uh, and uh, he comes to the door, and he opens that door, and he looks at me, and I look at him, and he says, Carrie? I said, Dave? And we used to party together. He said, you're a preacher? He just couldn't believe it. Salvation is just the beginning. We started church, walked into Bethel Baptist Church uh, back in 1983. I saw this girl right here sitting on the second row. And I said, oh, she's cute. And then I was like, she will have nothing to do with me. And she shouldn't have. So it was almost two years later before we began to develop a relationship. Why? Because I had a whole lot of growing to do. Salvation, it's just the beginning. And if you're saved this morning, you should be in a different place than you were last week. Amen? It's not, well, I got saved 40 years ago, so now I'm okay. No, there is a, there is a process of growth that should be taking place day in and day out. And just like we expect our children when they are born to grow, if they do not physically grow, we know that there is a problem. Spiritually speaking, if we are not growing, there is a problem. Amen. Some are in that problem because they're, you're not, not even paying attention right now. You're already somewhere else. And with that, there isn't that hunger. You know, when a baby is hungry, everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. And until they get fed, they are not happy. And they are content making everybody else unhappy. Until they get fed. And you know, we should have a hunger. As newborn babes, the admonition was, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. And we need to be growing. It's a process. So salvation is just the beginning. So with that, uh, we looked last week at as a new believer, and there are those that are here today that uh, this is still very new. You may have been saved for a long period of time, but you haven't really grown. And my, my goal is to help you grow. 
God gave you a pastor for a reason. God gives me messages for a reason. And they're not just to waste about an hour, hour and a half, two hours, three hours on it. No. No, it is not just to fill time. You should be glad your pastor's name is not Paul. He preached till midnight. And somebody fell asleep and fell out the loft window. And so we're not doing that. But the reality is we need to grow. I desire to grow. I still haven't arrived. And until I awaken his likeness, I'm still falling short. So give, give me some patience, all right? And I'll cut you some slack too. Well, let's all be going the right direction. We're, we need to grow. This morning, last week, we looked at uh, Hebrews 10.25 because as a new believer, church has got to be a vital part of your life. Amen. That is important. God did not, the Lord Jesus Christ did not start the church just to see if he could. He started the church with a purpose. He adds people to the body, the Bible says, as it hath pleased him. If, if you are a member of Bible Baptist Church, it wasn't just because you said, well, you know, I just thought I'd decide to join and then I'll, I'll come or I'll go as I please. No, that's not how it works. God puts you here. Amen. That means, do, do we believe that God has a plan? I think, I think some of you don't. Do we believe that God has a plan? Absolutely, he, he does. And in that plan, he knows what we need. You know, in church, there are people that might irritate us. Have you ever been irritated at church? But you know, sometimes that abrasion is what takes off some of the rough spots in our life. It isn't necessarily that we are there to help them. They might be there to help us. God puts us in the body for a reason. And as he does so, the church is the institution that he has designed for us to be reproved, rebuked, exhorted, with all long-suffering and doctrine. He, he gives us the word of God and the preaching of the word of God. He uses the church as a body to help collectively accomplish a mission. Bible Baptist Church is handicapped when the members of the body are not actively engaged. That sort of sounds harsh, doesn't it? I don't mean it harsh. But can you imagine if every one of us invited people to church? Can you imagine? You know, Easter Sunday, wasn't that a blessed day? We would have Easter Sunday every Sunday, and more so. 
You see, as believers, there is a, there's a plan. So God has a purpose and a plan. After salvation, you need the church. You need the church for a place to belong. You need the church for a place to serve. You need the church for a place to be, uh, to be uh, encouraged. You need the church as a place to serve. There's got to be a mission and a purpose in our life. And so church is a part of that. Uh, this week, we are going to go to the next part, part two. And as we look at part two this morning, we're going to be looking at Giving and generosity. Now, all right, pastor, we just finished stewardship month. This message isn't to get anything from any of you. The reality is, If we are going to be the believer God wants us to be, we have got to grab a hold of this thing about giving and generosity. You know why? Because it impacts me. If I can't get this one area right, it will stifle my growth. I got saved and we were in a church where during that time, the end of the month, they would take the offering and the ushers would go count the offering during the service. They would come back at the invitation time and tell the pastor whether there was enough there to pay the bills for that month. That was after having multiple services, four Sunday services, four weeks of services. And then they'd come back and they'd, Pass the plate again. I have been in services where that plate was passed three times. Now, with that, as a teenager, I learned to give. I learned to give. And what that has done for me is it has helped guide the rest of my life. If I can't trust God with my possessions, then I can't trust God. As a believer, as a new believer, next steps after salvation, we're not talking about 401 classes here. We're not talking about uh, senior classes. We're talking about freshman classes. We're talking about just getting started. This is a truth that as a new believer, you've got to grab a hold of. And some of you older believers need to get a hold of it as well. Because if I can't trust God with my possessions, if I can't trust God with my giving, then I can't trust God with my life. And if I am going to be the one that is in control, then God is not. Amen. So we're going to look at this thing of generosity. So let's go uh, back to uh, Genesis chapter number four. And in this passage of scripture, uh, we find the very first term, the first time the word offering is used. This is, this is the law of first mention. So if you are going into interpretation, there are 10 laws of interpretation. The, the law of 
first mention is the third law of interpretation. And, and with that, it helps us uh, see some things here. And with that law of interpretation, it says we may expect the first mention of a subject or truth to forecast its treatment throughout Scripture. So when you first see something, this is going to be the baseline of how everything else is built on it in the Word of God. So here in Genesis chapter 4, we don't find the first, this is not the first offering. This is just the first offering of man to God. All right, and so let's, let's look at this. Genesis chapter 4 and verse number 3, it says, And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. So here is the first mention. Now, uh, I, I started out this morning telling you that it is so important for us to be able to uh, grab a hold of this area of giving and generosity. I'm not just talking about the tithes. I'm just talking about giving at this moment. Uh, there is admonition that comes in the Word of God, and it breaks it out. But up to this point, this is just the first offering that we see coming from man uh, to God. But why is it so important? The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through, through nor steal. Read that last verse with me there, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Uh, I know we can read a little bit better than that. Let's try that again. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Why do we need as believers to grab a hold of this thing called generosity and giving? Because where my treasure is, that's where my heart's going to be. It's not the other way around. It's not where my heart is, there my treasure will be. He says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be. We determine what is valuable to us. You say, well, the world tells us that you just can't help how you feel. That is inaccurate. Because God tells us things that we are to feel. That means that our emotions are controllable. Bible tells us in Philippians 4, 8, that we are to think on certain things. Why? So it controls our heart. Uh, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Uh, so we've got to make sure that we are controlling our thoughts. Uh, Corinthians tells us, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Why? Because what I think is what I am going to feel. We've got to determine what is important to us. Don't just float through life letting your emotions control you and guide you. Has anybody else besides me learned that our emotions don't always work well for us? Yeah. It's a decision and God wants us to, to follow, and he leads us, he gives us this instruction so our heart will be in the right place. 
And he knows that if we will learn this thing of giving and generosity, and we are giving the way God wants us to, to, to give, and we are giving where God wants us to give, that our heart will be in the right place. So important. So this next step, he said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. First Timothy 6, verse 9 and 10. He says, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. Money should never be the believer's goal. Let me say that again. Money should never be the believer's goal. Money is a tool. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. You and I are to live to glorify God. Now, that does not mean that you cannot glorify God with wealth. Solomon was rich. David was rich. Abraham was rich. There are people that had great uh, resources uh, that were used of God in mighty ways. But the goal wasn't wealth. Because if the goal is wealth, the Bible tells us that the love of money is the root of all evil. You know what? God knows you better than you. Well, I know how I feel, Pastor. No, you don't. You don't even know. How many of you have ever woke up mad? Let's be honest. Come on now. All right. Usually I let her sleep, but sometimes I... No, but I, I, sometimes I'll wake up upset. Last night, I had a dream that I got shot. I got shot, and I was... I was running for my life through some woods, trying to find a place to, to hide. I got shot in the chest, in the side. I woke up wondering who it was who shot me. <laughs> Why would they do that to me? And I, I was mulling over this thing, and I, had, I finally had to tell myself, let it go. It wasn't real. You know, sometimes we think things in depth. Well, why'd you dream that? I don't know. We don't know what goes on in our own heart. The Bible tells us that the heart is deceitful. It's desperately wicked above all things who can know it. We don't even know what's going on in here, but God does. And we as a believer, we've got to grab a hold of this and understand that God who is in heaven knows how I tick. And he knows what he wants me to do so I tick right. So I am on the right schedule. So I am following his plan and doing what he wants me to do. Uh, but he said here in 1 Timothy 6, uh, he said, But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Notice here this colon. He is now going to explain what was just stated. So this colon now is, is telling us that what's coming is going to modify what was just said. And he says here, which, while some coveted after, they have erred 
from the faith and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. And this morning as I am telling you and teaching you on this thing about giving and generosity, the whole purpose is so that you don't err from the faith. This is foundational. Christian, does money have a hold on us? You say, Pastor, I don't have enough to, for it to hold on to me. And that might be the reality, but it doesn't mean that we are not coveting. The Bible says coveting, which is idolatry. So here, this thing about money and generosity and giving and not allowing that money to control us, our, our assets to control us. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be good stewards. We should be good stewards. But being a good steward and learning how to make sure that we are not controlled by that money. We should have the, we should have the money. The money should not have us. So what is that, that next step? Uh, that salvation uh, is just the beginning, but, and we looked at the church. Uh, now we're looking at giving, giving and generosity. So let's look here about this, this offering. And I've got to hasten. You guys are taking a long time to get started. I haven't even gotten to a first point yet. All right. And so uh, I've got 10 pages uh, of notes. So maybe the three hours will be, no, I won't do that to you. Go back to Genesis chapter 3. So we see the first offering that, that Cain and Abel are going to make. But you know what? God never waits for man. God always gives first. The first offering that is made is made on behalf of man by God. God is the one that gave the first offering. Look at verse number 20. The Bible says, and Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make, what? Coats of skins and clothe them. What happened? Adam and Eve, they sinned against God. The Bible tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And, and here with that, we find God himself looking at the condition of man, and God took an animal which God created, and God not only took that animal, God slayed that animal, God skinned that animal, God made coats of skins for Adam and Eve. In chapter 22 of Genesis, we find Abraham making that prophetic statement when God had told him to offer Isaac. Uh, and Isaac said, I see the fire and, and the wood, but where is the lamb? And, and, God, and Abraham made the statement. He said, God will provide himself a lamb. And you know what? Right there from the very beginning, God provided that very first sacrifice and then we see these 
sacrifices that will be instituted in, uh, in the law uh, where years still uh, are going to transpire before the law is given and those offerings are given. So this first offering made by, by Adam uh, or by uh, Cain and Abel that we see and have, uh, have a record of, I do not believe it was the first offering that was made from man to God. It is just the first recorded offering. Because Adam, who knew how to give an offering? It had to have come directly from God to Adam. And Adam and Eve had to teach their boys And now their adult sons are offering sacrifices. So God provided everything for that first sacrifice. Uh, And so uh, we we see several things here. Uh, We we find the two sons of Adam and Eve. uh, And this this is the first of everything. Uh, Adam and Eve, and then you have the two sons. And let me tell you, it still is supposed to work that way. A man, a woman, marriage, children. All right, and there is men, women, and there are none other. Did you notice that when Eve had, uh, when she had uh, Cain, uh, she said, "I have gotten a man child from the Lord." She didn't. She didn't look into that baby's face and say, "Men, look at those whiskers." She's looking at a little boy, but it was a man child. There are only men, and there are only women. It is man, woman, it is male, female. And it doesn't matter what our social culture is embracing. Science, biology, it still proves that there are only two genders. And don't let them lie to you. Just two. And how can 4% of the the population have such a dramatic impact and cause the other 96% to cower? I'm not saying be hateful, but there is truth. There is right, there is wrong. Just because they're People we know that have done wrong does not mean that we have to validate the wrong. How many of you love your kids? All right, you love your kids. When they do wrong, you don't say, well, I sure love you. No, I love you enough to correct you because that is not right. We we have got to have that accountability. Uh, Christian, we, we need to start speaking up. It's amazing how many people are quiet in this area. Uh, so uh, what do we find here? We find uh, this, this family, now this family, the, the second generation, they're offering sacrifices. And the reason the second generation are offering sacrifices is because first generation offered sacrifices. 
That's how they learned about it. So, so we see here uh, that this offering, it says in verse 3, three, and in process of time, in process of time, uh, and it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. So there was a time for offerings. There was a place for offerings. There was an expectation of offerings, and there were guidelines for those offerings. You see, God, he had received Abel's offering and he rejected Cain's offering. Now, the Bible tells us in the book of Acts that God is not a respecter of persons. God did not reject Cain and accept Abel. God rejected Cain's offering. There's a difference. There's a difference. God didn't accept Abel as though Abel was perfect. God accepted Abel's offering. Why? Because there, God, as creator, he has the right to determine what kind of offering he's going to receive. Now, in Scripture, we know that the Bible does tell of giving first fruits. The fruit of the ground was a way to give back to God. Uh, I'm not going to even get to my message this morning, so you're just going to get introduction. Uh, but uh, with this, what do we find? We find that uh, in this, uh, all, the offerings that are in Scripture, those offerings were given, and there were, there were monetary offerings in Scripture. There were first fruit offerings, there was fruit of the ground, there, was, uh, there were wave offerings, there were all kinds of different offerings. But that, those have not been given yet. Scripture has not been given at this point in time. So what do we know about this offering? One offering was accepted, the other, other offering was rejected. We don't know what the title of this offering was, but I believe according to what was accepted and rejected that this was, this was a sin offering. Because the offering that was given by Abel, the first slings of his flock, they were accepted. That was a blood sacrifice. The offering that Cain brought was of the fruit of the ground. Those, it was a first fruit offering. It may have even value-wise been the same amount of value or even higher. But it was not received. Why? Because that was not what God wanted. And if God held Abel or Cain accountable to this, I know that the revelation had already been given there. Because the Bible says that in time of Darkness, God winked. What was it? It was when there was not that knowledge of sin, God winked at it. He wasn't holding people accountable for where there was no knowledge. And here, that knowledge had been transferred to Cain to, to give the type of offering that he was supposed to give, and he chose not to give that offering. Uh, he gave something different. Uh, so, so with that offering, it was not received. Now, let's look again at our text this morning. 
And we'll see here, uh, it says in uh, Genesis chapter 4, let me find it again myself here, Genesis chapter 4, and look with me at verse number uh, 3. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord, and Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering uh, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall his, be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. So here God is saying, not only uh, should you not be upset, have you, ever, have you ever corrected your child and they got mad at you? And they knew that they were doing wrong, but they were mad at you? We're just like that, aren't we? And that's exactly what's happening. He's being called on the carpet. He knew what the expectation was. He did not give the way God wanted him to give. And now he's mad at God. He should be mad at himself. He should have taken that personal responsibility. There's those words again, personal responsibility. And here he should have taken that personal responsibility, but he did not, and he became angry with God. And, and the Bible says um, that uh, God here offers something. He says, if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? God said, just do right. You give the offering that is expected, and it'll all be good. But God doesn't just stop there. Cain brought an offering of the ground and now he is there and God is saying, I'm going to let you make it right, right now. So look again at verse 7. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. Now, here, I've heard people say that sin lieth at the door. The sin of disobedience is laying right there. I don't believe that that's the case at all. If you read in context here, uh, that's why I believe that this is a sin offering. The sin lieth at the door. The sin offering is right there at the door. God, again, is providing the very offering that needs to be offered. Look at verse, uh, the rest of the verse here. It says, And unto thee shall his desire be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. He's talking about there is an animal sacrifice that is just right there at the door, and if he will just go to the door, the animal is not going to run, he is not going to hide, he is not going to evade. Unto you, Cain, that his desire is going to be. He wants to be sacrificed. He is there ready for you to make a sacrifice to me. God always provides. So let's dial this in. God always provides the offering. 
This morning, if you dropped your tithes and offerings in the offering plate when it went by or whether you did it online, God provided the offering. God provided it. God always provides. And as we recognize, the Bible tells us in Psalm, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything is his. Christian, the sooner we grab a hold of that, the better off we are. You know, when we were building this building, you remember two and a half years ago, three, three years ago? Oh, my goodness. So March of, of 2020, we had our groundbreaking service. Do you remember that? That was so exciting. And we were getting ready to build a new building, had the groundbreaking ceremony. And the next week, we were shut down with COVID. What, what did we do after a little bit of time? We went back and met, I met with the man and, and it was faithful men, our, our board. And I said, listen, I said, if God wants us, if God wants to spend his money and spend a lot more money for this building than, than what it would cost outside COVID, then God can spend his money that way. Everything tripled in cost. Sheets of plywood that were $12, we were paying 72 bucks a sheet. It was just crazy. Everything went up. But you know, we just decided it's the Lord's. If that's how he wants to spend his money, it's his. And guess what? We didn't spend triple on that building. God's so good. God always provides. You might be wondering, looking at your own, you might be looking at your own budget or your own financial situation, saying, Pastor, I can't afford to give. I'm telling you, you can't afford not to give. I can't pencil it out. I don't know how it's all going to work. I know. You can't pencil God out. God has a way of working things out. And maybe there is going to be some growing time because we have wrongly uh, uh, placed, uh, we've made some bad financial decisions and we put ourselves in debt and there might be some struggles to get things in order, but when we follow God's plan, it works. And as a child of God, we have to realize God wants us to be generous. He wants us to be giving. Uh, he says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken down. I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel. I'm just telling you the fact that if we are going to reap, we have to sow. It's a principle. It's all through scripture. It's all through nature. And as a believer, our giving and our generosity helps us establish where our values are. If our value, if we are going to have the right value in our faith, then we've got to give. 
Amen. And in doing so, you know what we find? We give. Something happens about our heart. It follows where we gave. We give to those missionaries, and what happens? Our heart is with those missionaries. We give to a feeding program. Uh, just this week, our Christian school kids, uh, we assembled 10,111 meals or 33 meals, uh, and they got picked up on Friday and are going to Haiti. What a blessing. People give to things. You know what happens? Your heart is there. You know what? If you gave, we still ate yesterday, didn't we? God has a way of meeting our needs. God's so good. Giving and generosity, they are what is vital in our life as a believer so several points here. I'm just going to give you the points and move on. God own, Number one, God owns everything. God owns everything. Believers, do we believe that? Yeah. Does God own what's mine? Yeah. yeah, it's easy to say God owns what's yours. <laughs> <laughs> but does God own what I own? Really, I don't own I am a manager. I am a steward. Everything that I have belongs to God. My 401k belongs to God. My savings account belongs to God. My possessions belong to God. Number two, God deserves an offering. God deserves an offering. God deserves for everything that he has done for us, he deserves that we would give back to him. Yeah. Now later in scripture, we find that the tithe is the Lord's. We, we find which tithe means 10%. And it's not 10% of what's left. It's all first fruits. Always, God always gets the first. That's before Uncle Sam. That's before a housing allowance, a BAQ. It's not just what your check says. It's those benefits. That first belongs to God. God deserves an offering. We know the tithes, the offerings, they all come later, but but we see that that offering, it needs to be given to God. He deserves, he deserves it. Number three, God determines if the offering is acceptable. God determines if the offering is acceptable. Now, let me, let me say this. We see how God rejected Cain's offering and accepted Abel's offering. God is not unjust. He gave everything for us. He has the right to expect what's coming back to him. He, he has the right to tell us. It's like if you, if you had a rental and you went to your renter and said, you know what, uh, I didn't, didn't receive my rent this month. 
well, I just didn't think you really deserved it. Well, I, I think that was just too much. I'll, I'll give you five bucks this month. Hello. That's not acceptable, is it? Why would we think so with God? Let's not get too quiet. Tithe is the Lord's, the fullness of. Brother Franklin read the verse this morning. had no idea where I was going this morning. But he said, will a man rob God? But you say, wherein have you robbed me? In tithes and what? Offerings. Tithes and offerings. So what do we find here? We find that until you have given God a tithe, there is no offering. So the, uh, the offering is after the tithe has already been given because you owe the tithe. A free will offering is above the tithe. But God says we rob him when we don't do both, tithes and offerings. So, so here, what do we find? This, this area is not restrictive. It really is liberating. It's liberating. Why? Because they're not my bills, they're God's bills. They're God's. I belong to him. So with that, I can trust that he's going to take care of me. Now, why do I know he can take care of me? Because his word says he's going to. But there's also been 40 years of living and experiencing God doing so. Christian, let's trust God. Salvation is just the beginning. Church, part of the believer's life. Vital. Given in generosity, that next step, it's vital. It helps us establish our faith. It puts our heart in the right, right place. It helps us to be committed to the right place. It's amazing. God knows what he's doing. Now, if you're here this morning and you're saved and you've not grabbed a hold of this yet, you need to take that step. Prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. God proves himself true over and over again. Some of you have proved him and then you've taken it all back. Some of you have proved him and he has blessed and you're trying to figure out how in the world you've been able to give what you've been able to give and you still have everything that you need. And that is amazing to see what God does. Giving and generosity this is not a doctorate class. This is just the next step for the believer. 
Get in church. Let church be a, a solid place, a foundational place in your life. And then get a hold of this area of generosity and giving. And God blesses. If you're not saved, today's the day. Father, I pray that you'd help us. Thank you for your goodness to us, the truths that are here. And I pray that you would help all of us, Lord, to take steps of faith. Uh, faith is, 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 is believing, uh, but it's acting out on that belief. And I pray that you would help us to, to not only have it in our mind and in our heart, but Lord, uh, that we would act upon it. And may our faith be evident. And so help us this morning. You know the needs of each heart. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. The instruments are going to play. If the Lord spoke to your heart this morning, you respond.